to the news magazine on the America Out Loud Network. I'm Alana Friedman, and this is The Friedman Report. The big story this week has been the growing number of riots in America's major cities and how they are becoming more and more violent and out of control. Yes, I call them riots because these are not peaceful demonstrations. There is nothing peaceful about burning buildings or about driving your car into a crowd of people. This is violence, and this is what we are facing today. One strange thing that is happening in all this, according to the mainstream press and the politicians on the left, the definition of the word riot is changing. See, what they call peaceful demonstrations? are filled with photos and videos of burning buildings, of mobs attacking cars and police officers, and a whole lot of swearing that never used to be allowed on television. What they call the F-bomb is now becoming a household word. As a society, if these videos are any reflection, we are descending into the sewer. And the word riot now means a mostly peaceful demonstration. Really? I don't think so. So what are we dealing with here? This is not about racism or race. If it ever was, it's not anymore, my friends. It's about power and control. We have talked about this before, and it's becoming increasingly evident that the riots are not spontaneous. They're not just a group of people who happened to come together and got each other jazzed up. These riots are well-coordinated. They're not of spontaneous anything. They're highly organized by people with deep pockets who want to see America fail. These riots are part of a plan to destabilize not one city, not a handful of cities, but the entire country and destroy the freedoms that we have worked so hard to preserve. And in case anybody should ask you, this is not so-called conspiracy theory. This is a conspiracy, and it's working. So here's a rundown of the so-called peaceful demonstrations that have become increasingly violent around the country this past weekend. Let's start in Chicago, where two very different protests took place on Saturday afternoon. One of the protests was called Back the Blue, and the other was called Refuse Fascism. Both protests were peaceful, maybe because there was a heavy police presence at both gatherings. Demonstrations organized by Refuse Fascism took place in cities all over the country on Saturday, so they are interested and active in getting their name out and getting their message out. They're opposing the deployment of federal agents as they did in Portland, Oregon, as part of Operation Legend. The group gathered at Federal Plaza and marched through downtown Chicago. That was it. In downtown Portland, Oregon, which has been under siege for more than six weeks, A huge crowd of rioters surrounded the Mark O. Hatfield Federal Courthouse and broke through a reinforced fence to get to the building. People in the crowd threw rocks and bottles over the fence, and they aimed lasers and threw mortar-style fireworks at the police. 
And that's no joke. Those lasers can actually blind you. And I believe two policemen in one of these demonstrations were injured. When officers tried to break up the crowd, they were hit with bottles and paint balloons. Police used CS gas and other crowd control measures to help disperse the crowd, but because many people wore gas masks and carried makeshift shields, it wasn't until 2.30 in the morning before the mob was finally dispersed. In Seattle on Saturday night, thousands of demonstrators gathered to show solidarity with the so-called demonstrators in Portland. It started off peacefully enough, but it soon devolved into violence. Rioters broke through a fence around a construction site, and about a dozen people entered the site and set a portable trailer on fire. There were also reports of businesses being vandalized and destroyed, while others tried to disable security cameras. The Seattle Police Department released the following statement, quote, Due to the ongoing damage and public safety risks associated with this incident, SPD, the Seattle Police Department, is declaring it a riot, unquote. The riot occurred just as a new law was about to take effect, the next day, in fact. As Police Chief Carmen Best said in a statement that this new law, quote, banned Seattle police officers the use of less lethal tools, including pepper spray, that is commonly used to disperse crowds that have turned violent. It also prohibits the use of anti-riot gear. The legislation gives officers no ability to safely intercede to preserve property in the midst of a large, violent crowd. Unquote. The Seattle City Council passed that new law unanimously last month. They said they hoped that this new law would reduce violent clashes between police and protesters. Really? You think so? Nice try. There was also a protest against police violence in Austin, Texas, and that turned deadly when police said a 28-year-old protester was shot and killed by a man who drove his car through a crowd of marchers who were protesting police violence. And in Aurora, Colorado, another car drove through another protest against police violence and someone was shot and wounded there. In Oakland, California, a peaceful demonstration Saturday evening turned violent when rioters set fire to a courthouse, attacked a police station, pointed lasers, and shot fireworks at the police officers. In Louisville, Kentucky this weekend, an armed black militant group called Not Effing Around Coalition, or NFAC, and one of the members of this group shot another member by accident while they were marching. The NFAC issued a list of demands which included businesses must have 23% black employees, including management, display a notice in every establishment showing support for reparation movement, diversity, equity, and inclusion training for all employees, and the training would be provided by people whose names were included on a list, eliminate dress codes which, quote, can disproportionately target black folks, black folks, in quotes, etc. If this is actually enforced, Louisville business owners will have to decide whether they are willing to defy a large group of men with loaded guns. 
And it goes on and on. There was violence in Richmond, Virginia, Oakland, California, Baltimore, Maryland, Atlanta, Georgia, and Aurora, Colorado. It was a rough weekend, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon unless the federal government steps in and does something strong and dramatic to shut this violence down. To show how far down the road to disaster we have actually come, social media activist and journalist Andy No, who is best known for covering street protests in Portland, Oregon, and where he himself was attacked last summer by Antifa thugs, he reported this. A federal officer was hit in the face by some sort of hard object that came from rioters, and it was caught on video. Illinois Democrat candidate Hadia Avsal tweeted that she's been watching the video of the assault, quote, on repeat for 15 minutes and laughing every single time, unquote. You got that. A Democrat candidate for a local office, watching a federal law enforcement officer hit in the face by some kind of projectile. And she's laughing. She thinks it's funny. When did America become like this? We have become cruel and vicious and sadistic and callous. Now, the crazy thing about all this is that, as you know, the people who are running these cities are almost entirely Democrats. And they don't seem to care that what they call peaceful demonstrations are really destroying their cities and terrifying the residents. And the residents who can are beginning to move out. So here's the dirty little secret that they don't want you to know. Of course, if you've been listening to the show, you already know it. A lot of the so-called demonstrators are hired agitators who are brought in from other parts of the state or even other parts of the country. Many, if not most of them, are not black and couldn't care less about anti-black racism. They're paid hooligans, anarchists, gang members, whose transportation to the designated city is paid for, who receive a per diem, and whose assignment is to do as much destruction and create as much chaos as they possibly can. In the resulting mayhem, people are getting hurt, some are getting killed, including small children, and people who are just sitting in their homes or driving in their cars and are in the wrong place at the wrong time. The cities under attack are dissolving into chaos. Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, Chicago, New York City, St. Louis, Louisville, Atlanta. And all this is with the unbelievable acceptance of the city's officials from the mayor on down. So my question to them is this. Who bought you off? How can you allow the city that was entrusted to your care to be destroyed while you do nothing to stop it? And you reject help from the federal government because you hate the president? How much did they pay you and was it worth the price to the people who voted you into office? We may never know the answers to those questions, but here's another one. Who is paying for all this madness? Well, we've talked before about the foundations that were created and funded by George Soros. And then there are the organizations like Refuse Fascism, which 
uses Antifa-like tactics. The organizer of Refuse Fascism claims that they received money from George Soros and that they even met with an advisor to billionaire Tom Steyer, who ran for president in the 2019 primaries. Author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza described Refuse Fascism as part of a left-wing paramilitary force. He said, quote, The left has deployed a paramilitary. They literally have a paramilitary force on the street. It's not just Antifa. It's all the other groups, Refuse Fascism, Black Lives Matter, and on it goes, unquote. And he's right, of course. Antifa has been causing trouble for a number of years. Their militia arm, called Redneck Revolt, wants to see the complete collapse of the system, including the abolition of the police. Can you imagine what kind of country we will become if these terrorists are not put down? And there are better known organizations, by the way, including the Ford Foundation, which has pledged $100 million to Black Lives Matter. And we have just discovered that China has also been funding Antifa in order to support the uprisings. We'll talk about that in a minute. That makes sense for China, I suppose, but it is considered subversion of a foreign country and it's illegal under international law. And by the way, it's not just the riots that are growing out of control. Crime in general, theft, assault, shootings, are all growing at an alarming rate in all of our cities, the ones we've been talking about. It's all a part of a plan that has been in the making for years and was just waiting for the right trigger that could release the explosion of violence on the country. And we are already seeing the beginnings of it. Random, wanton attacks on passersby, some of which end in murder, some on the elderly, or the infirm, the strong against the weak, for no particular reason. And then there are the consequences. What happens to our young people when they see others run riot and destroy property and create bedlam with no consequences? Maybe it looks like fun when you're a teenager. Take a look at what happened in Memphis this week. A group of several hundred teenagers were dropped off at a putt-putt miniature golf place by their parents, who left them there to their own devices, several hundred teenagers. When the teens were told to leave because there were too many to enable the place to observe the local COVID-19 restrictions, the teens refused to leave. Instead, they went wild and they destroyed the entire place. Although nobody was injured, the sheer amount of damage that can be done by 300 to 400 rampaging teenagers can only be imagined. And they have credible role models every time they turn on the TV news. So for now, just a few words about defunding the police. To be quite blunt, it's one of the stupidest ideas I've ever heard, and the results are going to be catastrophic. Defunding the police can only lead to a spike in crime as we've seen in New York City, Seattle, Portland, and other cities that were dumb enough to even consider this idea. A city with limited law enforcement means that when you call 911, it will take much longer to get help if help comes at all.
and it may actually lead to the situation that you call 911 and no one even answers. If there are fewer police on the street, the violence that we see today will explode in every city that adopts this policy. Civilization can only survive and succeed if there is a balance between freedom and responsibility, and the responsibility for enforcing the laws of our country lies with law enforcement. We need a fully staffed, fully functional law enforcement element in our society if we are going to survive as a free nation, period. Now, after the break, I want to tell you about China and another disaster that is about to fall on that massive country, even as they are trying to undermine America in their quest to be the only world power. It's not a simple story, but it's worth hearing. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. Did you know the average person spends 26 years of their life sleeping? The real troubling statistic is that we spend seven years of our life trying to get to sleep, struggling with racing minds, tossing and turning. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Sleep is proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance. Until now, most sleep supplements haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's HealthyCell.com sleep. As we say, let the silent voices be heard. Shadow bannon, editing, censorship, blocking, and adherence to political correctness are seen as serious threats to our God-given right of free speech. Suppressing free speech, the very cornerstone of our society, is not in the best interest of our listeners, readers, and those who provide our content. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Okay, let's talk about China. In fact, I have several stories to tell you about China. The first one is one that I promised you last week, and then I didn't get to it. So here it is, the Great Flood. China has had a pretty bad year. Last November, there was a strange virus that began appearing in Wuhan, began taking lives in huge numbers, and at one point, all of Wuhan's 74 crematoria were processing more than 100 bodies a day and operating nonstop 24 hours a day. Think about it. Thousand-bed temporary hospitals were set up in weeks, and the regular hospitals were full to overflowing and China allowed millions of Chinese people to leave the country and travel around the world, even though they knew that the virus would spread. But that's another story. For now, let's stay in China. We may never know how many people died in China from this virus, but numbers range from the tens of thousands to one estimate of more than 20 million and another of 46 million. It was, as I said, a really bad year. 
but that really bad year may be about to get much worse. China has historically had a problem with floods. Every year when the spring rains come, the rivers overflow their banks and their levees and sweep across the landscape. But this year is worse than any since the devastating floods of 1998, which left more than 4,000 people dead and 14 million people homeless. And then there was the 1938 Central China floods, which may have been the deadliest natural disaster of the 20th century. More than 140,000 people drowned and at least 3.7 million people died over the next nine months as a result of the floods. This year, the rain has been extraordinary. In some places, there has been rainfall of as much as seven inches a day. 27 of the country's 31 provinces have had heavy rainfalls. 37 million people have been affected and at least 141 are dead or missing, and it's far from over. So with the hardships that were caused by the coronavirus pandemic, and then the floods that began in early June, this year so far has been a nightmare. But the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is making things a lot worse for the people who live in the rural areas, and that encompasses a lot of China. Last week, I talked about how the CCP treats the Uyghur people, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later because I have some new information. They arrested them for no reason. They imprisoned them and enslaved them to work in factories around the country, or they used them for human guinea pigs. So you know that the Chinese communist leaders are brutal with little concern for the welfare of their people. So in keeping with their ugly reputation, they are now creating new hardships for some of the people of China. As the waters continue to rise throughout central China from weeks of torrential rain, the government has been releasing water that has been building up behind some of the smaller dams along China's rivers. That water is being released into China's low-lying rural areas, and the policy has already displaced more than 2 million people. In other words, they reroute the floodwaters from urban areas in what they call their flood displacement program, and they release it into the countryside. Okay, so far? Only people live there. And what they have done is to release this water into the lowlands, and they have given the people who live there almost no notice that the flood waters are going to be released. In some cases, the people have only a couple of hours, and in that brief period of time, two hours, They have to collect what precious or needed items they have, abandon their homes, and head for higher ground in a matter of minutes, sometimes with only the clothes they are wearing, leaving their homes and everything they own behind. And as the tons of water from the dams comes tearing across the countryside, it destroys everything in its path. Crops, livestock, homes, cars, they're all carried away in a killing torrent of rushing water. The people are advised, listen to this, I, can't, I couldn't believe it when I read it, that people are advised to leave their doors open when they evacuate so the waters can come right into their homes and lower the water levels outside, leaving the people who lived there stranded without any promise of assistance 
and without any home to return to. And the rain continues to fall. The rains of 2020 are already a catastrophe, but an even larger one may be about to happen. The Yangtze River is the longest river in Asia, and it is also China's most important waterway. There are something like 175 cities located near its banks. The Yangtze River Basin is home to a number of multinational companies, and its industrial output generates nearly half of the country's GDP. Now, in order to create a better flood management system, the Chinese built a huge dam, the largest hydroelectric dam in the world, in fact, on the Yangtze River. The Three Gorges Dam, which is what it's called, that project was completed in 2009. But this year's massive rainfall has raised questions about whether the dam will be able to survive the pressure of so much water. On July 2nd, the Yangtze River got through its first flood peak of the year. They're now waiting for the third. In fact, the water level of 433 rivers is already above the flood control line. 33 of them have already reached record highs. At the massive Three Gorges Dam, the rains collecting behind it are putting strong pressure on the dam, which is upstream of the central city of Wuhan in Hubei province. That's a familiar name, isn't it? The official Xinhua news agency said that the rate of flow in the reservoir behind the dam would hit a record for the year on Friday night at almost 600,000 cubic feet per second. The inflow peak on Saturday night was 665,000 cubic feet per second, and then it fell back to nearly 502,000 cubic feet per second by Sunday night. But the problem doesn't end there, because the water that has overflowed the riverbanks has risen to the level of first floor windows. In some places, the floodwaters reached as high as nearly five feet, and the fields are completely flooded. The crops are gone. And nearly two million people in 24 provinces have had to be relocated. Direct losses as a result of the flooding so far are estimated at more than $7 billion. And that's still not the worst of it because the Three Gorges Dam appears to be failing. Aerial photographs of the dam shows that his structure is rippling. My sources say that when it was built, its foundations were not firmly fixed into bedrock. And during its construction, when American engineers were called to inspect it, and they said that the construction was substandard, the workers considered that assessment an insult. They considered it racist rather than science. Sound familiar? So the construction continued and the dam was completed in 2009 without any corrections to its infrastructure. Now, with the huge pressure of the floodwaters, it appears to be buckling and some leaks have even been reported. So in an effort to avert the coming disaster, the government has been diverting waters from further upstream to relieve some of that pressure. But the water levels are still rising 
and they have already reached their limits behind the dam, and more rain is expected. Now, Chinese officials have said that the structure of the dam is sound, but the photographs are alarming because they seem to show that the structure is warping. On the other hand, the Chinese say that the warping shown in the photographs are just simply distortions in the satellite image. But engineers are worried because millions of people live downstream, and if the dam fails, they may not have time to escape the massive and devastating wall of water that will be the result. Latest reports are that 5 million people are already being relocated just in case, but that is just a portion of the millions of people who live downstream, and it may not be nearly enough. So this is the story of the world's largest hydroelectric dam that may fail and cause unfathomable tragedy in its wake. As I often say when a story is in process and the ending is unknown, stay tuned and maybe say a few prayers for the people living downstream of the Three Gorges Dam. I'll keep you posted on what happens next. Now, here's another story about China, and this one affects us directly. For many decades, China has participated in an exchange program with the United States in which their students, teachers, and scientists come here and ours go there to study and carry out research in what is supposed to be a collaborative effort from which both countries will benefit. Only what our naive government officials who helped initiate this program and have supported it for years, what they have done is to have helped Chinese exchange students and scientists steal valuable proprietary technology from American labs and research companies and take it back to China. This has cost American companies billions of dollars every year, and it's been going on for decades. How does it work? It's simple. The Chinese send their best and their brightest to the United States to participate in these exchange programs with universities and companies that specialize in particular technologies that China needs. The participants are required to steal proprietary technical knowledge and bring it back to China. Now, just last week, I wrote an article about this that's posted on the AmericaOutloud.com website. You can read it there. It's called The Chinese Spies Among Us. In a recent case, one that just exploded last week in San Francisco, a researcher named Tang Juan, a Chinese national, was arrested. She was working as a researcher at the University of California, Davis, as a part of a cancer treatment research program. She was taken into custody on July 23rd after she tried to hide in the Chinese consulate in San Francisco. But she was arrested last week for visa fraud, along with three other Chinese scientists, who are suspected not only of visa fraud, but of the much larger crime of espionage in the potential theft of intellectual property. They were sent by China as part of the large Chinese program to infiltrate American institutions for the purpose of gaining access to critical industrial and technological know-how. Once the technology makes its way back to China, the Chinese use the stolen technology in their own product development programs. 
And by the way, this program does not work in reverse. We do not send our students, teachers, and researchers with a sworn duty to steal proprietary Chinese technology and bring it back to America. In fact, that is so far from our mission, innocence that we are, that it took decades for our intelligence community to recognize how much we were being ripped off. It took a maverick president with a keen eye for mischief to recognize the threat. The Chinese have been sending their emissaries on innocent-looking missions as part of their larger scheme to steal proprietary American technology without paying the high price of doing the actual R&D, paying for the protecting patents, and applying it to new products. Instead, they steal it from the Americans and then they build it into their own products, which they then sell in the international markets at lower prices than are competitive, for example, without having to pay the high cost of development or the royalties to the actual developers. The people who actually develop the technology are left without the benefit of royalties and other fees that are usually paid for the use of their technology and that help to defray the costs, the high costs of development. They are then forced to compete in the international market against the Chinese products in the same markets when the Chinese can easily undersell American products because they have not paid the high cost of product development and protection. In addition, as I mentioned in last week's show, the Chinese use slave labor to produce these products, as well as using that same slave labor in the production lines of companies like Nike, Samsung, Apple, and many others who produce their goods in China. Slave labor. This is an important issue that should not be overlooked by any administration because the use of slaves is, first of all, against international law as well as against American law. And second, it is hurting Americans, stealing American technology, robbing American companies of profits by selling their invention on the international market without admitting the theft, without paying royalties, and without competing at a fair price because their labor costs are so low. This has, as I said before, cost American companies billions of dollars year after year for decades. And here's another story about the Chinese consulate in Houston. Last week, we discovered that here in America, the Chinese consulate in Houston has been a hub of massive Chinese espionage efforts which included spying and intellectual property theft. And more than that was discovered. According to the latest intelligence reports, the Chinese consulate in Houston has been serving as a conduit for funding Antifa. In fact, the European bureau chiefs of China's state-run news outlet, China Daily, proposed that the CCP leaders should invite Antifa for a meeting in Beijing or Washington, D.C., as if they were an official branch of our government. Imagine. Well, the Houston consulate was closed last Friday. That's the good news. After Washington gave them 72 hours to pack up and leave. And they tried to destroy the evidence of their subversion by burning it. More proof of their treachery will no doubt be found because the actions of any foreign country that funds organizations promoting violence for the sake of overthrowing the government 
cannot be tolerated. The overarching lesson from all this is that China cannot be trusted. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo turned the words of Ronald Reagan around last week when he said that America must distrust but verify everything coming out of China because he said the communists always lie. He went on to say that we must end what he called our blind engagement with them because it has failed. Quote, if we bend the knee now, he said, our children's children may be at the mercy of the CCP, whose actions are the primary challenge to the free world, unquote. And he's right. They are. Okay, now after the break, I want to continue this a little bit, and then I want to talk to you about a few other things of interest in this past week. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. There's still a lot to talk about, but let me just spend another few minutes on China because there's more to this topic than we have discussed so far, and it's important. The policies of detente that seem to be falling into place when President Trump was negotiating the trade deal, they're now falling apart, and with good reason. The Chinese government, which means the CCP, has deceived us at every turn. They've exposed the world to the coronavirus of their own making and refused to warn us or to help us understand the virus they had created in their state lab in Wuhan. They lied about its origin, perpetuating the lie that it had begun in a live food market, and they fudged their own numbers so it seemed like their rates of infections and deaths were far lower than they actually were by an enormous margin. They bought the head of the World Health Organization to help them continue the lies about the virus. He said, for example, that there was no known instant of human-to-human transfer, 
when they all knew that there was. And they continued to give out false information when the truth was they didn't know. Nobody really knew, but they didn't tell us that either. And even before the scope of the virus was known, the Chinese were asked for information about it. But you know what? As of today, our scientists who are working around the clock to find a vaccine and a cure, they still have not had access to the Chinese labs so that they can know more about what they're dealing with. They are still trying to get an actual sample of the original virus from China, but nothing has been forthcoming to help our scientists in their quest for a cure. And yet, and yet, Chinese spies were trying to steal our coronavirus research from our labs. That just came out in the news last week. Nice, huh? It's clear, my friends, that there are two things to keep in mind. First, the duplicity of the Chinese government is apparently without end. And we need to treat them with much caution and little to no trust. And second, the goal of the CCP, and in particular of Xi Jinping, is to lead China to be the only leading nation in the world. Despite our efforts at good relations, China is still our foremost enemy in the post-coronavirus world, and we need to treat them accordingly. Because they have already proven that they will do whatever they deem necessary, whatever it takes, to bring down the USA and to take over our role as world leader. Now, last week I talked about the Uyghurs, that small Muslim minority living in Xinjiang province in northwest China and how they were being abused by the CCP. Well, since then, I have come across several new reports, and frankly, they are shocking. Because we are now reassessing our own relationship with China, and because abused is hardly a strong enough word to describe the manner in which the Chinese government is destroying the Uyghur community. I want to take a few minutes talking about what makes China reminiscent of the Nazis during World War II. The CCP is ripping the Uyghur communities apart by arresting an estimated one million people or more and putting them in what they call re-education camps, but which are really concentration camps that come with detention, torture, rape, forced labor, forced abortion, and 24-hour surveillance. Intelligence reports reveal that last year, the Uyghurs were also being used as human guinea pigs to see how the China coronavirus affected people. And this was going on before it became an epidemic. Chinese officials insist that what they call vocational training centers don't deprive the Uyghurs of their human rights, but they refuse to provide information about these camps and they have prevented journalists and foreign investigators from visiting them. The first-hand accounts from people who escaped from the camps are chilling. They rival some of the horror stories that the sadistic Nazis perpetrated on the Jews in their infamous concentration camps that dotted Europe. Last year, the UN Human Rights Council heard that China was accused 
of being engaged in widespread harvesting of human organs from persecuted religious and ethnic minorities. They had previously admitted to harvesting organs from executed prisoners, but they claimed that this practice had ended in 2015. A lawyer for the China Tribunal, which is a group backed by an Australian human rights charity, they were investigating the issue. He said that China was, quote, cutting out the hearts and other organs from living, blameless, harmless, peaceable people, and he described the situation as an atrocity, which, of course, it was if it were true. Well, there was an investigation, and the final report was published in March 2020. Its opening lines read, For over a decade, the People's Republic of China has stood publicly accused of acts of cruelty and wickedness that match the cruelty and wickedness of medieval torturers and executioners. If the accusations are true, then thousands of innocent people have been killed in order to have their bodies, the physical integrity of their beings, cut open while still alive for their kidneys, livers, hearts, lungs, cornea, and skin to be removed and turned into commodities for sale, unquote. The final report from the China Tribunal contained the following conclusions. The Tribunal has no doubt whatsoever that physical acts have been carried out that are indicative of the crime of genocide. The conclusion shows that very many people have died indescribably hideous deaths for no reason, that more may suffer in similar ways, and that all of us live on a planet where extreme wickedness may be found in the power of those who are, for the time being, running a country with one of the oldest civilizations known to modern man, which we should be able to respect and from which we should be able to learn. They ended their report with the following statement. China is a wonderful, diverse, and cultured land where today the state, the PRC, which is the People's Republic of China, and the CCP may be involved in many more areas of life than is the case in other countries. Any person or organization that interacts in a substantial way with the PRC, the People's Republic of China, should recognize that to the extent revealed in this document, they are interacting with a criminal state." Unquote. And beyond the 85 concentration camps in China that the Uyghurs have been sent to, there are those also who have been sent on. After so-called graduating from these concentration camps, They've been sent on to forced labor in China's factories in various locations around the country at companies that manufacture products for well-known American brands. And the latest reports are that they are being forced to work in the companies that manufacture PPE for an international market. That means when we order from Amazon, let's say, masks to wear when we go out, we are wearing masks that may have been produced by slave labor in China. Isn't it about time that America started producing its own masks right here in the good old USA? Isn't that what President Trump wanted? It's time to do it. We do not want to be buying the products of slave labor. China's reputation for human rights crimes is notorious, and it's time to bring them to account. 
So earlier this month, the United States government took a strong position on human rights in China by putting targeted sanctions on four top Xinjiang officials. The government used the Global Magnitsky Act, which has been in force since 2017, to hold China accountable for severe human rights violations by freezing their assets in the U.S. and banning them from entering the country. Among those included in the sanctions was the Xinjiang Party Secretary, who was one of the masterminds behind the mass arbitrary detention and abuse of the Uyghurs. Nobody asked me, but I would venture to say that the punishment, while it's a small step towards accountability, considering the horrendous nature of the crimes we're talking about, the punishment does not nearly fit the crime. It is time, I think, for the laws of justice to stop dancing around powerful criminals. They must be firmly applied, and they must demand an end to these horrible crimes. The criminals must be punished severely, according to international law. To be sure, this is cumbersome and often unjust. The process is weighed down with prejudice and greed. But still, we have to try. We are, as the Chinese reluctantly admit, we, the United States of America, are the leaders of the world. And we should not stand idly by. We cannot when we know that such atrocities are being committed by a trading partner. Now China is perpetuating a new assault on human rights in Hong Kong this time, where it has put a new law in place that wipes out the 50-year autonomy agreement it signed with the UK and put its heavy CCP boot on the backs of the people of Hong Kong by eliminating the freedoms that they had lived with all their lives. In late June, at the United Nations, 50 special human rights experts issued a strong indictment of China's human rights record. They denounced China's collective repression of religious and ethnic minorities in Xinjiang and Tibet, and the repression of protests and the excessive use of police force in Hong Kong. It also accused China of censoring journalists and punishing demonstrators who tried to speak out against the repression of the Chinese government. They suggested creating a dedicated expert on China and suggested the idea that UN agencies and governments should put pressure on China to meet its human rights obligations. All good talk, but not likely to go anywhere. China wants to rule the world, yet it is still facing several catastrophes at home. The coronavirus has not played out entirely, the torrential rains have flooded large parts of the country, and the greatest catastrophe may still be coming, the failure of the Three Gorges Dam. And there's one more thing. With so much destruction of farmland, the country may be facing a massive famine next year, and there is no doubt much more. And that was very heavy, and I am sorry for that, but it, it is important that we know who China really is. So let's take a quick look at what else is going on in the world. First stop, Israel, where three Hezbollah fighters tried to cross Israel's northern border, but were stopped by Israeli soldiers who chased them back into Lebanon. Hezbollah has now threatened revenge for the killing of one of their fighters in an airstrike that they say Israel carried out. 
and Israel has sent reinforcements, including special forces and surface-to-surface missiles, to the northern border with Lebanon and Syria as they brace for a possible attack. Now, like countries all around the world, Israel has more than one issue that makes the news. Israel is also, like everybody else, battling the China coronavirus, and every day the statistics change. So yesterday there were 65,791 cases, and 486 deaths from the virus. This is the total of how many Israelis have been infected and how many Israelis have died since the virus began. As you may know, Israel has a population of only 9 million people, plus a few. And like the United States, Israel is also having to deal with out-of-control demonstrations in the street, some of which are against the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is currently on trial for corruption. And Israel, the Israeli parliament is arguing about stimulus payments for Israelis, including in Israeli Arabs, by the way. Any of this sound familiar? It's like a, a mirror image in miniature of the United States. Very, very interesting. Now, in Washington, Republicans and Democrats are fighting over the coronavirus relief plan, the way they are in Israel. The Democrats want a $3 trillion bill with all kinds of goodies for their favorite charities. And the Republicans want a trim $1 trillion aid bill that will give aid to those they think who need it most. Both bills include a $1,200 payment to many Americans, which would help if they ever get it out of discussion. Saudi Arabia saw its oil revenues fall by 45% since last year, which they blamed on the coronavirus. The country actually showed a deficit of $29 billion. That's amazing for Saudi Arabia, which is facing a deep recession this year. We'll see. Next stop, Japan. The Japanese Air Force is having a hard time dealing with the pressure from frequent alarms that occur when an unidentified aircraft enters its airspace, which happens on an average of about twice a day. Last year, it happened 947 times, and it has to do with a group of uninhabited islands under Japanese administration that China claims, as they claim other territories such as Taiwan. And it also is probably has to do with Okinawa, which is in the area as well where the United States has an airbase. Anything to stir up a little trouble, I guess. That's China. And back in Washington, Attorney General Bill Barr got into a sparring match with Democrat Congressman Gerald Nadler, who was chairman of the committee. He accused Barr of using federal forces to give the president ammunition for his campaign. And then he wouldn't let Barr answer. Nadler even argued over whether to honor Barr's request to take a five-minute break so he could get something to eat for lunch. Nadler answered with a firm, no. How rude. Barr reminded Nadler that he had waited for him in the morning for over 45 minutes. I haven't had lunch, he said. I'd like to take a five-minute break. Nadler responded that the hearing would be over in a few minutes, to which Barr responded, you're a real class act. Then when Jim Jordan jumped in to support Barr, Nadler slammed his gavel on the table and told the committee they could take a short break. There was a moment that seemed quite appropriate in this unruly setting. The Democrats would ask questions and then not let Barr answer. He kept trying to answer, and they would not let him speak. They just talked right over him. He finally said, this is a hearing. I thought I was the one who was supposed to be heard. 
And when Barr asked Nadler why he was not being allowed to answer the lawmakers' questions, Jim Jordan finally had to intervene. He said, quote, for months you tried to get the attorney to come. He's here. Why don't you let him speak? Why don't you let him answer questions? All in all, it was a circus, and Nadler behaved very badly, as usual. Well, my friends, the time is up. We're at the end of the show. Thank you for spending this hour with me. I hope this was interesting. Some of it was rough, but the news isn't always pleasant. Have a good week. Have a safe week. And above all, have a happy week. And I'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the news magazine on the America Out Loud Network. I'm Alana Friedman, and this has been The Friedman Report.